You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from, we are there. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City. The Pelicans take on the Portland Trailblazers in the Smoothie King Center tonight. We might get a notable debut in this one, a chance to spoil I guess maybe it's not as notable. A chance to spoil someone's debut. If you don't already know who that is, I will let you know how he might fit into this Portland Trailblazers team. We'll cover that in the third segment of today's show. Second segment, we're going to take a deeper dive at Jackson Hayes, what he's done well so far. The past three games, fairly impressive for the Pelicans' rook when we weren't expecting that from him this early on in the year. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Maybe a preview for a larger segment at some point somewhere on Jackson Hayes. And then we're going to start off with the NBA ratings. A little bit scary seeing some of the numbers earlier this year. I gathered your feedback on Twitter. I appreciate appreciate everyone letting me know what your thoughts are. I'll give you my thoughts as well. I think it's kind of an interesting discussion to have, particularly in a small market here in New Orleans. So we've got all of that to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So yesterday was fairly interesting on NBA Twitter, if you follow it, and it seems like most of you do, because there was a lot of talk about the NBA ratings and them being down. And I don't know what the original source on this was. This is how like kind of uh, big and exploded the conversation became, that everyone was just basically talking about this and the ratings being low, that I, again, don't know what the specific numbers are. It seemed like basically everything was under a million viewers, which does seem low for some TNT games. And everyone kind of talking about why they think the ratings are low during the regular season and for certain games and all of that. And the Lakers, by the way, it should be noted, seem to have very good ratings. No surprise with LeBron and Anthony Davis in a very big market. But everyone kind of had thoughts on why this was the case. I wanted to take a different approach, and I put it out on Twitter. You tell me. Why don't you watch the NBA or random NBA games or even Pelicans games? And then I asked the the inverse of that question of what would make you watch more NBA games or Pelicans games? Some of it has to do with contractual disputes between Dish and Cox and all of that. And if the games are actually on TV in your area or not, some had to do with cord cutters. They don't have cable. They don't have one of the streaming services like Hulu Live, which is what I use or YouTube TV. And that does create issues, legal issues for you to be able to watch Pelicans games. And if you're pirating them, it's not going to factor into those numbers. But I don't think there's that many people actually watching it through some of those illegal streaming ways to get games. I think that's definitely a small minority of things. And I don't think it would, it would certainly help some of the numbers, but I don't think it would make a big difference to the point where we wouldn't necessarily freak out about it like people are right now. So what's going on? And it's a couple of things. I think the drama on the, during the off season is off season has overshadowed the actual games. 
people love the player movement. They love the memes, the drama, the things that get said. It's We're about to make a ton of jokes about Carmelo Anthony playing for the Blazers and coming back into the league. That's coming in the third segment. I'm just going to warn you now. Some people just like that more. They want to get on Twitter for the jokes and to make fun of people and players and don't care about the actual basketball. Look at all the people that you follow, and I'm guilty of this at times too, though I'll be honest, I use Twitter less this season now because one, I want you to listen to the podcast if you want my analysis. That's what pays me. Twitter doesn't. Um, But if you look at all the people that you follow, how much actual insight into on-court stuff are they providing versus just having fun with memes and making fun of others and jokes off off the court type stuff? Look at most of the people, including national guys. It fits that bill more so than analyzing what's going on out there. And it's just kind of the way coverage and the way we've talked about the NBA has shifted. And it's fun. NBA Twitter is hilarious at times, to be honest. It's great. But it is kind of tonally different than maybe what it was even five years ago, which is focusing more on the on-court stuff. And that's okay. You're allowed to follow the NBA and like the NBA, but not necessarily love like basketball in its pure form and seeing these athletes go out and do athletic things. Maybe you care more about the other stuff. Maybe you just want to be get that social currency, which it can be to talk to your friends about what's going on. Sometimes that's more important. You can watch two and a half hours of a Pelicans game, or you can catch up on everything on Twitter in like 10 minutes. Watch some highlights, find out what the jokes were, make those same jokes with your friends, laugh with your friends when they make a joke about that, and you're good to go. And you know what? There is zero wrong with that at all. We're going to talk about Jackson Hayes more in depth in terms of on-court play, but if that's not your thing, totally cool. And I think that's a big part of it. You just don't need to watch a two and a half hour basketball game or a two hour basketball game anymore. You can get everything you need about 10 minutes or tune into Locked On Pelicans in like 20 minutes, get everything you need. There's ways to go about it and it's totally okay. I think that's a big part of it. Another thing that kind of was a theme in, in responses to me on Twitter was, well, only like three teams or super teams that are gonna win the title. It just doesn't make the regular season appealing. The playoffs are what matters. Who cares about game 13 or 14, win or lose? It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. This is the the reason a lot of people, uh, Scott Kushner of The Advocate heavily pushes, that you need to shorten the regular season or shift it so it's not kind of overlapping with other things so you just care about it more so than other things. 66 games is a number that's thrown out there a lot, down from 82. Maybe 82 games is too much and it dilutes the regular season. There's something to be said for that. If games matter more, you might tune in more. Kind of a pretty simple fix, though. There's a lot of complications with that, unfortunately. Part of it is two-thirds of the country are in the eastern time zone that watch the NBA. We're in the central time zone here, just one hour off from eastern, when a West Coast game tips off at 9.30 central or 10.30 eastern. It's a little rough. I hate when I have to cover the Pelicans on the West Coast and then I'm up till one or two in the morning doing a podcast after the sacrifices I make here, right? Um, but all jokes aside with that, it's kind of rough. People go to bed at 9, 9.30, 10 d- during the week when you have to be up at six or earlier for your job the next day. You just can't stay up and watch it. And I get it. And with the shift of players to the Western Conference, 
Anthony Davis, LeBron James, just on the Lakers, Paul George and Kawhi to the Clippers, there's more of those West Coast teams that are in some of these big primetime slots. So if you do want to watch NBA basketball or some of these good teams, you've got to watch them on the West Coast. And it's just kind of rough on your circadian rhythm, I guess. And it's not fun. Look, again, I hate it. I we Also, I'm like young. I'm 33. So I've got some millennial in me. And I think we should just kind of do away with time zones or go to two time zones. But besides the point, we're not going to talk about that here. And other things just came down to League Pass sucks. So you don't want to watch things on League Pass. Cord Cutters kind of fits in all of that. There's a lot of reasons, including the fact that James Harden gets a lot of TV games and he's awful to watch too, that make it so that these ratings are dropping. But I will tell you this, the discussion... So regardless of the ratings, and that is a bit of a concern, the league is in a very, very healthy spot. I bet the Pelicans' numbers are up, the crowd at games has been up, and the interest in the league is still at an all-time high, even if the ratings don't reflect it. And so it's less of a ratings issue and more of a monetization issue. How do you monetize Twitter? Isn't that kind of the great unknown, what everyone wishes they could do? I don't get paid off of any Twitter followers that I have, which is totally okay. I don't particularly care. But how do you monetize the fact that you're putting highlights up there on Twitter and people can basically catch up on a game when w- without watching it on Twitter? That's not a way to do it. And until they kind of figure that out, the ratings issue becomes a thing. But if you can figure out how to monetize all the other stuff, which again is the great unknown, the pivot to video that basically shut down a ton of respectable news sites and sports media sites, is if you're able to do that, League won't care at all about the ratings issues. We won't care at all about the ratings issues because the ratings feed into the salary cap, that BRI number, basketball-related income. That needs to keep going up and up and up so the salary cap keeps going up and up and up and we get that player movement we so desperately want. If you can monetize this or if the NBA figures out a way, they're going to be in great shape. They're still in great shape because, again, the interest is at an all-time high. It's a monetization issue, not a ratings issue. We'll touch on Jackson Hayes in a moment. I've been impressed by him over the past three games. Before we do that, though, use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit. Free money right there. Listening on the go, if you can't visit mybookie right now, you can find this and all of their offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com offers. So I really want to take a look at Jackson Hayes and we'll touch on him for a little bit here in his own segment on today's edition of Locked On Pelicans because I've been impressed with him for the past three games. We thought Nikhil Alexander-Walker was going to be more NBA ready than Jackson Hayes. We all know about Zion Williamson. We're not really concerned about him being better than Jackson Hayes there. He was. Simple as that. He will be. Simple as that. Hayes was supposed to be a redshirt this year. That's the word David Griffin has used. Maybe they send him down to the G League. Maybe they just kind of don't play him much. And he learns and he just doesn't get on an NBA court a whole bunch early on in the season or at all this year. And he just gets better, fills out his body more, gets a lot of reps under his belt. This is a guy who's only played professional basketball or not professional, sorry, competitive basketball, organized basketball for like two years, senior year of high school and his freshman year at Texas where he didn't play a ton. Very, very raw prospect as we've all said. And you've seen it at times. The athleticism is there. The ability to go and dunk is there. But everything else 
needs a lot of work. The defense, the positioning, just knowing what to do offensively and being a complete NBA player. But he's doing some things that make you feel like he's ahead of schedule or growing at a rate that we weren't expecting. And it's been overall very impressive to see from him. And you've got to feel really good. And it really has started these past three games. If you go back to the game against the Los Angeles Clippers, where he got forced into a bunch of action just due to just serious injuries all around to this team. Again, CVS receipt type injuries here. That's how long it is. He's looked good. Prior to that Clippers game against Houston, he played two minutes. He's been averaging 16.7 minutes on the season, but over the past three, that number has jumped up to 22.9 minutes per game. And he's kind of delivering on this. In the Clippers game in that win last Thursday, he put up nine points on three of six shooting. And the positioning on all three of those makes, I watched them all again um, for something else that's coming. Keep an eye out for that in a month or so. Um, looked very good. And then again, against the Miami Heat, he was six of six from the field, showing very good positioning on offense. And then finally against the Golden State Warriors again with 10 points and then 10 rebounds in that game. Smart positioning, working in the pick and roll. We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's podcast. You can get him a bad pass in the pick and roll and his arms are so damn long and he's got such good hands because he's a former wide receiver that he can kind of corral a ball with his fingertips and his handles are shockingly good for a lanky big that doesn't seem very coordinated. But it's the positioning on offense that I think has been really impressive. Go back and watch a lot of the clips of him. And you can do this over at NBA.com stats or another site I use is three, the number three ball, B-A-L-L, three ball.io and type in Jackson Hayes and you can see a ton of his makes. The little things he does well on the offensive end, some of the positioning he has is, is not rookie-like. It's more advanced than that. There's a dunker spot, and you've heard me mention this before on the show, and that's to the left or right of the basket, basically in the paint, immediately to the left or the right of the restricted area, the dunker spot. You stand there, and it's a bit like an anchor over in the three, the short corner, the three corner, where if you're there and a guy dribble drives and attacks, and you beat your man, say Drew Holiday drives, gets past the guy who's defending him and is coming free through the lane. The guy in the dunker spot has a defender on him, and that defender has to make a choice. Do you then go and rotate over and try and take away the drive to the rim, which is mostly what they do? Or you know, if you do that, you leave the guy in that dunker spot open for an either easy dump, dump off pass or alley-oop pass, or now all of a sudden you're out of position to rebound should the guy driving and attacking shoot and miss and the dunker can just slam the ball down. It's called the dunker spot for a reason because if they get the ball there, they usually end up dunking it. Kind of simple. And you're seeing Jackson Hayes get into that spot, but do little things in that spot that have been very impressive. Sometimes you need to take a step back or two out of there to try and suck your man out of the paint a little bit more or give yourself some space. He's doing that. He's not just rooted to that position and he's backing up. That's exactly what you want to see from him. Little things like that, that are something that NBA veterans do. They understand the spacing on the court just innately where they need to be. Rookies without that kind of basketball IQ and the experience don't do that. Jackson Hayes is showing that off. If you look at the game, I think it was against the Clippers at one point, he was down low in the dunker spot. Drew Holiday drives and attacks. And the Jackson Hayes is big. The defender rotates over uh, to cover Drew Holiday. 
If Jackson Hayes just stays where he is in that kind of dunker spot off to the left side it was, Drew Holiday can't actually get him the pass there because the defender's in between him and the ball and Jackson Hayes. It'd be a turnover. Jackson Hayes knows to just do a little bit of a cut. It goes down in the books as a cutting uh, layup, dunk, or whatever uh, for Jackson Hayes because he just curls slightly around that big in a spot where only he can get the ball and where Drew Holiday can actually make the pass because that big that was defending him, Jackson, is all of a sudden massively out of position. Go back and watch these clips of him in that Clippers game. It's very impressive the little things he does. You watch him against Miami, watch him against Golden State Warriors again too. He just innately knows where to be and the instinct he has to kind of be a roll man on offense or a cutter on offense is starting to become pretty good. And then you watch the positioning for a rebound with all of this and he's going to start putting himself in good positions to make to grab boards. He grabbed 10 against the Golden State Warriors. This is a guy who over his th uh, the past three games is averaging, I think, 5.3 rebounds per game. His season average, which is his career average, is 3.8. That's one and a half more. It might not sound like much, particularly because he's playing about four minutes more per game. Is that right? Six minutes more per game? I forget what it is, but it's more minutes, more uh, six minutes more per game. So one and a half rebounds in six minutes, not that impressive. But for a rookie who's really struggled rebounding, I'll take that. Particularly where you see if he can get the right type of position, it's going to help him grab more boards because he doesn't have the strength to throw guys out of the way or to body them up and just beat them out physically for this. He's got to do it through his positioning. We're seeing the positioning really come to him. That's tough to teach. Everything else will come in time. The strength will come in time. The physical tools are all there. We all know that. I've just been impressed with him offensively in the little things that he's doing. He also sets really good screens. And it's nice to see he's going to be very good offensively at some point. Might take a year or two. I'm not expecting that much from him this year. But I'm impressed, to be honest. I like what I'm seeing out of Jackson Hayes on the offensive end. Defensively, not so much, but at least he has the athleticism to kind of make up for mistakes that the defense is making overall. The defense, by the way, up to 20th in the league over the past three games. They've improved when they've changed the scheme and they're not doing what they were doing originally to start the year. Not to the point where they're good, not even to the point where, to where they're adequate, but it's an improvement. And I like to at least see that. So improvement from these rookies all around is definitely a very good thing, particularly from Jackson Hayes. So we'll touch on tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers, the disappointing Portland Trailblazers, and the new lows they've hit, bringing someone back into the NBA, ending the fake national nightmare that we've all been dealing with. Uh, we'll touch on that in just a moment, but before we do that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Here Monday through Friday for you all. No one else coming to you with that sort of frequency, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It's a fun season. Things maybe are turning around. The rookies are playing well. You want to know more all about that stuff. We've got it covered here Monday through Friday for you. Subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review with a comment if you can. Helps keep this free in five days a week for you all. Honestly, that really does matter. I know it doesn't seem like it. It probably shouldn't, but it does. So, Take 30 seconds out of your day, leave a five-star review with a comment, and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from. 
So the Portland Trailblazers are here in the Smoothie King Center tonight. They've been a bit of a disappointment. They are on the season just 5-8. and eight. The Pelicans are 4-9, and nine, so they're only game behind the Portland Trailblazers. If we'd said that to start the year, we'd be thinking for what, like the fourth seed maybe? Not fighting for the 11th seed in the Western Conference. Portland's pretty disappointing. Now, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries so far this year. Yusuf Nurkic hasn't played at all after suffering that injury last season. Pau Gasol's been out for the majority of the year. And then Zach Collins, another big of theirs, is out with a shoulder injury for a couple months. A guy who was pretty key for them going into the season, particularly with the injury to Nurkic. It's just been a little bit rough on them. Basically, they have no one to kind of patrol the inside of the paint other than Hassan Whiteside, who puts up good numbers but has never really been that impactful of a player on a winning team. He was a guy when he came up for a max deal with the Miami Heat. Just no, 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 did I not want any other team to touch him. But they did. And they gave him a max deal and he got a lot of money and he just doesn't help you win. That's one of those guys who gets a lot of blocks in games, blocks them all out of bounds and doesn't create turnovers that way for his team. You want those kind of things. It's different than what Anthony Davis did where he would just kind of corral the ball or knock it right to a teammate. Um, so Jackson, or not Jackson Hayes, and Jackson Hayes does those kind of blocks right now, which are fun and, again, demonstrative, but not necessarily the type of things that you – it's better than someone scoring, let's say, but you like to turn those into fast-break opportunities. So Whiteside patrolling the paint down low for them doesn't really do it. Their offense has been okay this year. They have one of the better offenses in the league, a top, in top 15 in the top half, but they rely on jump shooting – a whole lot and they're not particularly great they play fast and they kind of do it with volume so it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors here they don't grab offensive boards they don't grab defensive boards either and they pay and they don't get to the free throw line so they're a jump shooting team and i think they've struggled in points because of this because if you go cold you're having a very off night because you can't score in other ways this is probably why they're bringing in Carmelo Anthony. They just need someone else to get them some buckets on a nightly basis. They have needed that partially because their defense is pretty bad this year. They're in the bottom third when it comes to defense, giving up 114 points per game. That's a lot. This is a team that realizes we just need to outscore you. Melo on the bench can probably do that. He's not going to give you much anywhere else. And he's tried to fit into the bench role. He's tried to do other things, add more three-point shots to his repertoire, get to the rim, and cut out some of those mid-rangers. But he's a guy who can still score. Simple as that. And he, if he can do that with the bench, he can probably help this Portland team a little bit. But their problems aren't necessarily scoring because when they're hot, they're going to be tough to stop. Look, Damian Lillard's putting up 30 points per game. C.J. McCollum is giving you 21. Whiteside's giving you 15. Rodney Hood is giving you 12. Anthony Simmons is giving you 14. That's a bunch of points from a bunch of players. Their issues run deeper than that. It's the fact that they don't get to the line, similar to the Pelicans, that they don't defensive rebound and end opponents' possessions and give up a lot of second-chance points, similar to New Orleans. My God, these two teams, quite similar after all, I guess. But it's interesting to see, and they're feeling kind of desperate, and New Orleans in a similar boat isn't which kind of shows you where these two teams are, respectively. Portland was good last year. They made a deep playoff run, and it shows you the, the way th the turnover can be in the league this year. 
Pelicans might be bad this year, but they might be right in the midst of the playoffs next year. You can have that kind of turnaround because some of these teams that have been good for so long are really starting to fall apart, and it really feels like that's what's happening to the Portland Trailblazers. They were really good last year. They are not good. They'll get better, and I trust them to improve, maybe more so than the this Pels team. But it's interesting to see that the NBA is more wide open than we've ever seen it before. So enjoy the game tonight. If you're going, I will be there as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Leave that five-star review. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.